welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk, Series 3, Episode 10, and it's guest week for you guys on the podcast. So this week I have Madeline Shaw chatting with me. It was an absolute joy to record. She is a wonderful mother to her little boy Shay, a nutritional therapist, author, blogger, and shares recipes, wellness tips, and positivity on her Instagram. So this week I talked to her all about her daily life and what's going on for her. Pregnancy, birth, relationships, routine, sleep, weaning, which is a hot topic for me right now because Amandine is almost six months, running a successful business and childcare. One thing I do need to note is Madeline absolutely devastatingly went through loss and miscarried her first pregnancy so if you are pregnant right now and you feel like that's not something that you do want to listen to we talk about it quite early on so do skip through a little if you would rather skip that bit it is important to talk about it because this kind of stuff is just not talked about at all it it still isn't so one of the reasons why I want to be doing this podcast is to also talk about the stuff that isn't talked about So, before I start waffling on, enjoy the podcast and I will check in with you after. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. It's great to have you on and I love your podcast. I was listening to it with my husband actually the other day. Um, And it's just so great that we're able to do these things, isn't it? And really spread the word and interact with other mums who don't have the opportunity maybe to chat to lots of other mums. And it's just a really nice way to reach people and let them feel supported, I think. A hundred percent. So I'm very happy there's more of us doing it. And yeah, it's lovely. Anyway, so I've got loads of questions for you, (laughs) if that's okay. But I thought, let's get straight into it. And I tend to start everyone who's on the podcast um, by asking what's going on for you right now in your life as a mum? Um, okay, so Shay is 18 months old. Wow. So, I know, so old. So at the moment, what's going on with us? Well, he's really settling into nursery. We started about a few weeks ago, and I was so nervous about it because he's incredibly clingy, as with me at least. He's a real mama's boy. And I was really nervous that it would be very traumatic and lots of tears. And there were a few tears the first week. And then literally after that, he's just kind of run in, having the best time. Um, I think it's made him more confident as a person. And definitely you can kind of see him developing faster um, in kind of words and actions and kind of he's a lot more sort of, ballsy you know he'll climb up a slide and go down it by himself whereas before he'd be like clinging to me like crying (laughs) um so I think it's brought out this kind of ballsy side of him which is really cute to see oh that is adorable isn't it so cute how every I'm even seeing it with Amandine at the moment how every day brings out a little bit more of her character maybe something she'll do or I'll take I've started to take toys away from her now and she'll start crying and reach for them and you start to really see their personality don't you it's so cute a hundred percent you do and I think they are really born with it you know there's Mm. that whole nurture nature debate and I do think there's obviously a bit of both but it's interesting how even like you said from so young they've got this kind of strong kind of need or want or desire towards certain things oh absolutely (laughs) 
Okay, so what does your average day look like? I know you mentioned how Shay's in nursery three days of the week, but pick a day and what does your average day look like? Ooh, it's hard to say. I wouldn't say there's an average day, but let's let's pick a, a day that Shay's not at nursery um, and then we should do one when he is. Perfect. Um, so let's say a Friday. Um, so Shay normally wakes up quite early, around 6. Sometimes it's... This morning it was 5.30, sometimes it's 6.30, on a dream day at 7, it really does vary. Um, So I'm quite used to it now, so um, get up, um, we'll go downstairs, and he has a bottle of milk, and we watch cartoons. (laughs) I really thought I'd be that mum that didn't watch TV with my kids, but honestly, it's like... it's really cute I love cartoons we kind of hang out cuddle on the couch and then I'll make myself a tea and normally like a herbal tea or I'll do like hot water and ginger to kind of hydrate and then I'll make shade brekkie and that's normally like some eggs and rye bread or porridge and fruit I tend to kind of give him adult food if that makes Mm -hmm. sense I don't do like a specific kind of baby thing Mm -hmm. um He's not fussy at all. He'll eat pretty much anything, and he's quite a good eater. So I'm very lucky to have that. And I don't, I don't tend to eat breakfast immediately because I find if I eat breakfast at six thirty-seven, I'm like hungry at ten, mm. and I'm hungry at twelve, I'm hungry at four, and I'm like eating all throughout the day. So if I kind of push my brekkie back a bit, um, I'm not eating all day. So that's that's worked for me. Although it has taken me a lot of trial and error because I'm always like sneaking bits of his leftovers. <laughs> Um, and then we always go outside. So the minute the sun comes up, which is a lot earlier now, which is fantastic, we'll go outside and normally go to the park. Um, just sometimes we just wander the streets. Like I think something that I've really learned from becoming a mother is that sometimes it's okay not to have like an agenda or like you've got to get there by this time. Like if you've really got a few hours to kill, does it matter that you're standing on the same street picking up, like, pebbles on the floor for, like, half an hour? Not really. And there is something quite therapeutic about kind of not having um, somewhere to be or somewhere to go or, like, really pushing in life because I guess that's probably what I do a lot in work and that slightly more masculine side of me. And then to be more feminine and mothering with him um, is really special. Um... And then he has often has a second breakfast around eight thirty nine. Good boy. Um, and then lunch again around eleven thirty. So there's a lot of eating going on. Um, and we always go home for his lunchtime nap. So he's now only on one nap a day. Um, and I do miss all the long, all the other naps. But um, you know, you, I've still got one nap, so that's fantastic. And we always come home. Now, Shay has never slept in a buggy, ever. So all the other babies, I feel like, in the world slept in buggies other than my son. Um, just <laughs> Mine doesn't. Did, even since he was little. Really, are you the same? I'm the same. She will not. Absolutely not. What is it with them? It's I like know. All these amazing, like, people. And, like, I feel, I was saying to my boyfriend, actually, yesterday, I was like, God, you know, because we went out to Richmond in the morning, and but obviously we had to go home for the for a nap. And I thought, God, how amazing would it be if we could just take the buggy out for the full day and be like, sweet, we're like out and about, and we can have lunch and do all these sorts of things. But anyway, you know, all babies have um, different 
different things going on for them. So anyway, we uh, come home for nap, and that is probably when I'll maybe do a little bit of work. So I try and not work on Fridays. They are my day off, but it really depends on what's going on. I make myself lunch. Um, normally, there's a lot of tidying to do because I am quite messy. Um, so, and as as show, so it might be yeah, laundry, tidy, kitchen. Um, sometimes I'll sit down, watch an episode of Gilmore Girls on Netflix, make a cup of tea, have a nice time. Really depends on how long the nap is, but yeah. normally show sleeps pretty much on the dot of two hours so that's a really nice um amount of time and then in the afternoon again it will really range sometimes we meet up with friends my mum lives quite nearby we go around quite often um maybe go swimming maybe go to this place called purple dragon it's in putney and it's like a sort of play area for kids um and it's amazing it's got like art classes and music and uh soft play and all sorts of things going on so maybe hang out there and then normally my boyfriend will come home in the evening and we we don't always eat dinner together to be honest because she eats at about five and that's often not quite right for us depending Mm. on our days Although yesterday we did all these together, but normally, yeah, Shay eats dinner by himself, and then it's kind of into bath, milk, bedtime for seven, and then we eat afterwards. So that's kind of, I guess it's kind of probably like most parents, controlled around food and naps. <laughs> totally. Oh my goodness, I'm just doing it around naps at the moment. We, I haven't even attempted to start weaning. <laughs> it's just too much. I can't handle anything else to plan around. It's too much. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds like a lovely day, though. It sounds like such a nice day. And I love that you get out so much, even living in London and having all the parks. We live in, in the middle of the countryside, and um, it's actually sometimes quite difficult to get out because... There are only so many country walks you can go on before thinking, oh my goodness, the same walk again. I'm not sure I can do the same walk again, rather than just wandering the streets. I I really miss just wandering the streets. So I think it's nice that you do that. Yeah, I guess there's there's good and bad sides of being in a city versus the country. Exactly, there's pros and cons for everything, isn't there? Yeah, I think what people say is when, when they're a little bit older... When you're in the countryside, you can just open the doors and be like, bye. (laughs) (laughs) See you at lunchtime. (laughs) Go play. See you later. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That feels like a world away right now. (laughs) (laughs) So I was hoping to chat about your pregnancy, if you're happy to talk about it. Now, I listened to your podcast um, where you talked about your first pregnancy, because, of course, you've been pregnant twice. Are you happy to talk about your first pregnancy? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's kind of strip it right back. So your first pregnancy, and just to put a little trigger warning in there for listeners, I'll put this in the show notes before they even listen, but you went on to have a miscarriage. That's right, isn't it? Yes, so I got... So it was about almost two years ago, um, I found out I was pregnant. No, actually, three years ago. I'm trying to think. Yeah, three years ago. Um, and, yeah, sadly, at 12 weeks, um, we lost the baby, which was, I mean, probably one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. Um, just because I think, I mean, speaking from my own experiences, when I saw the pregnancy test saying, like, pregnant, 
I felt like a mum at that point, you know, like, even though I hadn't necessarily held my baby, like, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm going to have a baby at Christmas, and on my birthday, I'll have a baby, and all these sorts of events in the future were kind of compiling in my head where, like, I would have been a mother at, mm-hmm. um, so it was a very sad loss, and it was quite traumatic, because not only did I miscarry, I then um, went into labour, and then had to have an operation to remove it um so there was a lot of emotional but also physical pain that went through it um and I think it's taken me quite a long time to kind of like open up about it and also kind of understand what went on because I think when it first happened I was just like there were so many hormones going in me that like were telling me that I was pregnant that I was so obsessed with having another baby that I I couldn't even really deal with everything that went on Mm. um and you know it is incredibly common and I thought I was the only person but obviously having researched it and and reading more you can kind of see that actually this is a really common thing and I think that's why I wanted to talk about it more so that other people didn't feel alone or feel like there was something wrong with them or that you know sometimes you go oh if only I hadn't done that or I didn't do this or whatever you can blame yourself all these sorts of things but sometimes just it you know it the baby wasn't meant to be in this world and and it's a hard thing to swallow because it's not a nice thing to go through but I do think that um it's it is quite a a, a nice way to look at it because sometimes it can allow you to sort of let it go a little bit more absolutely what would you suggest to the others who have been through that experience maybe trying to get pregnant again or are still really finding it challenging to mentally move on from um, miscarriage and loss of a baby? I think definitely talking about it really helps. Mm-hmm. So talking about it with your partner, obviously, but with friends and family to really allow yourself to grieve because it's a strange loss and it's not, uh, you know... A, a, a loss that maybe you've ever experienced before but to still allow it don't say oh it wasn't anything you know I never even met it it was a big thing and um you know I have always uh, seen um an acupuncturist and also reflexologist so I do think that those kind of um sort of more holistic um you know what to call them, methodologies to kind of put your uh, body back into balance really helped me. So I would go and see an acupuncturist to kind of get my periods back on track and balance my hormones as well as reflexology to kind of relax me. Um, So those things really helped. Um, And, you know, just, just really kind of feeling it and not suppressing it and not pushing it aside. And also investigate it, you know, I think for me it was that you know the baby wasn't meant to be but for other people there might actually be something else going on Mm -hmm. um, and that's maybe a trigger to go and see a gynecologist to check in with your doctor just to check that everything is um, okay down there because sometimes it might just be that you need a certain medication or operation or something just so that this doesn't keep recurring absolutely And then you went on to get pregnant for a second time, a little bit later, obviously. Yeah, it was about about six months after um, I miscarried. 
Um, so yeah, that was you know over two years ago now, and um, we had a little boy, and I had quite um, a crazy pregnancy. I was incredibly ill. My mum was also very ill, so I sort of was knew it might happen to me, and just the, I just remember the nausea just every day waking up, feeling ill and not wanting to eat, which is really unusual for me because I really love food and I work in food. So not only did I feel ill, I couldn't physically work because I was like, every time I'm cooking, I feel so ill. So like my recipe of today is crackers. (laughs) (laughs) Crackers on top, yum. Um, Because, you know, that is so part of like my job is like creating, thinking of recipes, making and photographing them. Mm. And the thought of being around food was like making me vomit. So um, (laughs) it was quite a tough kind of, I think it was about two and a bit months for me of the nausea. Um, you know, there were times where I vomited into my lunch. I vomited on tubes, on trains. I mean, there wasn't many places I didn't vomit. Um, but about at 20 weeks, it sort of went away for me. And I was so, so glad the day I woke up when I was like, oh, my God, I, I don't feel ill. Um, and then after that, my pregnancy was amazing. And I really felt that kind of second trimester wind where mm. I had more energy and I really loved having a bump. I know a lot of people don't enjoy it, um, but I loved it. I love that feeling of like growing a little baby inside of me. And I love the kind of, I know this sounds so ridiculous, but like the love you got from everyone else because everyone would be like, oh my God, you have a baby. And I'd be like, yeah. I used to soak up all the love on the street as people smiled at me. And Everyone's so nice to you when you're pregnant, aren't they? Yeah. So, so nice, and then the minute you have a screaming baby, they're like, "See ya!" <laughs> exactly. It's like the perfect moment to um, laugh up the love before you're kind of not allowed in anywhere. <laughs> um, I do miss my bump. Oh, I miss it so much. I do miss it. Did you find? Um, did you wake up in the night, sort of the first few days, being like? <gasps> where's the baby and then you're like oh yeah the baby's there it's next to me yeah totally I would roll I'd roll over or like lie on my tummy or something and I'd be like no go back onto your left side don't do that and then I would realize oh wait the baby's actually in the cot not in me anymore I know and I'm a tummy sleeper so I was like yes I can sleep in the position I like again because I couldn't sleep. I mean, I sleep sometimes on my side, but I'm a real tummy sleeper, so I was I was quite glad to get back onto the tummy sleeping. It's mentally taken me quite a bit of time to get back into my tummy sleeping because I think I associated so much fear with squashing the baby when I was yeah. pregnant and so much like, do not roll onto your stomach or do not lie on your back kind of thing. I, yeah, now when I find myself on my tummy or on my back, I'm always like, oh, should I be here? Oh, yeah, it's fine. I can be here. <laughs> ridiculous it is so ridiculous (laughs) so during your pregnancy did you find out whether it was a boy or a girl no we actually kept it a surprise I think some really good friends of ours had said to Kira my boyfriend um it's you know the only I think the classic line it's the only real surprise you ever have and yeah we did and there were moments where I was dying to know but I really um I do not regret at all waiting. I think it was the best thing in the world to kind of hear that moment, like, it's a boy, when 
when I give them birth, I think it kind of helps you push a little bit more and um, I get a bit more excited about it. So yeah, it was it was really cool um, having that moment. Um, and I think everyone's different. And I think if you find out, it's also fantastic. I think it's uh, it was just what was right for us. Through your pregnancy, did you have an inkling it was a boy or did you think it was a girl? Yeah, I would say probably about 90% of the time I thought it was boy and everyone really? said boy. And then when I went into labour, our midwife was like, I really think it's a girl. And then I was like, well, she's a midwife. So she's seen like so many like that. And then I was like convinced it was a girl for like probably the last like few hours before I gave birth. <laughs> Did you have any feelings around that? Because I remember when we, we found out my husband's French and apparently it's not the done thing to not find out. So we found out and I'm really pleased I did actually because I honestly thought it was a boy. And then when it came through on the piece of paper, which isn't the most, you know, fun way to find out from a piece of paper, but... Um, on the piece of paper when they said it was a girl it took me actually quite a few days to come around to the fact it was a girl I, I'm not ashamed to admit there were quite a few negative emotions around me thinking it was a boy but it being a girl did you experience that at all when the midwife said oh it might be a girl no not at all and I think that's probably why it was fine that we didn't find out Whereas I think if either of us were really pushing for either sex I think it was a good thing to find out in mm. advance so that you weren't suddenly being like, oh, <laughs> when you meet them, you know, you've got, like you said, you have a few days to digest. So no, I shouldn't really mind, to be honest, either way. Um, yeah. And I almost think the kind of sex thing hasn't really, is maybe kicking in a little bit now that like he's really into trains and maybe more boyish stuff, but you know I feel like we're living in such a different world now we're very kind of gender neutral and I don't know it's also it's a great time to be a girl I feel much more equal than maybe it has been in the past so yeah I don't know it it wasn't really anything that I thought about no no that's so good power to the women for sure (laughs) (laughs) so how was your birth how did it go what did what did you have What, what happened so um, I went into labour um, on the Wednesday in the evening and I was walking home and I started feeling contractions and because um, I had gone through contractions before um, with my miscarriage, I sort of knew what they felt like. So I knew I was going into labour and I was like, okay, called my mum and I said, oh, you know, I think I'm okay. And she said, look, with my first, with my brother, who's older than me, she said, um, it lasted a week. <laughs> so, you know, she said, you know, be prepared, but, you know, it might not necessarily happen, like, as soon as you think. And I was like, okay, you know, they're not, they weren't that painful at the beginning. They were kind of, like, here and there, not very close together. Um, and then, um, obviously called Kieran, <laughs> he came home, and we went into the hospital, And they were like, look, we don't think you're, like, really in labour. We think that, like, you're probably at the beginning. We were having sort of Braxton Hicks. And so we went home. um, And then overnight, they were kind of getting closer and closer together and a bit more painful. And kind of when I woke up in the morning, I was like, I really want to go into the hospital. Rang them. And, of course, and totally understandably, they were like, 
keep staying at home, keep looking after yourself until you really feel like you have to go in. And so, you know, we did the classic hot water bottle. That did not work. We did the bath. <laughs> I got in the bath and I was like, I'm so late. <laughs> not relaxing. Um, and then at about 11 o'clock in the morning or maybe almost midday, we were like, okay, we're going in. So mm-hmm. went in and I generally didn't think that it would happen so quickly but I was already eight centimeters um obviously in a lot of pain um and had an epidural and I think I thought I was going to be that person that had like a natural birth and you know I never even really went around the natural birth ward and I think there was a lot of fear for me around that from the miscarriage and the pain and the kind of pain but not having anything good come from it and I think even though it's one part of me wanted to have that kind of birthing pool experience the other part was like no I really want to be like you know monitored in well not, not that you're not monitored but like with drugs not in pain in a like really happy place um so I got the epidural done and it was the best thing ever um for me um the pain like went away and then I pretty much gave birth just after it I pushed for like 40 minutes and it generally felt like I was trying to do a poo but I couldn't feel anything and like I was kind of laughing I'm not actually kidding to you I was like looking at Kieran being like is this a joke I can't feel anything I just feel like I'm pretending to do a poo and I'm actually giving birth, and that is how it felt for me, I was just like, um, this is really weird, so I, I mean, I had a really great birth, pushed for 40 minutes, he came out perfect, um, he wiggled up to the boob, latched on immediately, it was a very amazing moment, um, and yeah, I got discharged the next day from the hospital, so had a really, really, like, in my wildest dreams, perfect birth, um, and yeah, we went back um, home, and I guess then we were like, oh shit, we have a baby. <laughs> There's always that realization, isn't there? Really, you could never ever prepare for that moment, can you? Not at all. On that note, Madeline and I had a slight drop in signal, which was impossible to edit. So here she is once again. I was just going to ask you. Um, if your birth was similar to what you had envisaged your birth looking like, or if you had a birth plan or birth preferences? Do you know what? I didn't ever have a birth plan. I didn't. Um, I know that they've midwives and I think my kind of bump class, which is a bit like NCT, um, had said, have a, you know, write down a birth plan, don't be too attached to it. But I think because so many people had said to me, oh, you know, I was, I really had high hopes for a certain birth and then I didn't get it and I was so disappointed that I felt like, God, if I have high expectations, you know, they, they might not be met. So I just kind of went in and went with whatever I felt in that moment was the right thing to do. Um, so I literally didn't have a birth plan. I'm also not, not someone that's very like rigid and like, oh, I'm going to do it like this and I've made a plan and I've written down notes. I'm quite a like just turn up and wing it kind of person so I think it was the sort of birth that I would have always had I think that's brilliant I really do I think that's so good and so refreshing to hear that I think a lot of people stress about birth plans and I remember getting to 
I don't know what it was, like 25 weeks maybe, and thinking, I've got to have my birth plan, because I'd been told yeah. I had to have a birth plan, when actually yeah, I really didn't need a birth plan, and I don't even think my midwife looked at it. I just went in, and she was like, what kind of birth do you want? And I told her, and that was that. So Yeah, exactly. It really is, because I think you do think that you're going to kind of send this plan off, and <laughs> they're going to stop you from having anything else that's not on the plan and really it doesn't work like that no although it's good to have you know if you're if you have to go in for an emergency c-section or anything like that good to have a bit of a plan if there's things that you really want to happen I suppose for from that respect okay so that is birth and pregnancies um so did you feel different being a mum did it take time to get used to or did you kind of just just roll straight into it. I know you mentioned for your first pregnancy, the minute you saw the pregnancy test, you felt like you were a mum already. Was that very much the same with your second pregnancy? Or did you feel even more like a mum when you'd actually given birth? How was that transition from being not a mum to a mum for you? (laughs) Um, Yeah, quite seamless. Um, I kind of spent the first 24 hours not sleeping after I'd given birth just holding Shay looking at him being like oh my god you're the most amazing thing in the world like I couldn't sleep I was on this like high um so I would say although I've had struggles in in different areas that connection that bond that love that feeling of being a mother was very instantaneous and has grown and grown and grown um you know as he's gotten older and every time I think I loved him a certain amount. It feels like I loved him even more and more every day. Um, (laughs) So sappy. Um, But uh, it's true. Um, (laughs) It is true, it is. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I think, think, yeah, it, it really wasn't something I struggled with. And I think that that feeling of being a mother was never kind of about expectation for me. It was just like about looking after a new person that I loved with the person I love um and that was really kind of it for me oh that's so lovely so the, with talking about the person that you love um did the relationship with your partner change when Shay came into this world at all yeah definitely I think that um there's quite a transition isn't there as well in your relationship that goes on I've found anyway well you go from kind of being each other's number one to Mm -hmm. being number 27 (laughs) you know it's (laughs) it's the reality and I feel like I wish I had almost done a little bit of work on that read about that a little bit more maybe before because I don't feel like I was armed with that kind of awareness and I think the sort of resentment of sleep and the resentment of like you know what you get to do with your life um because I really enjoyed working and you know missed certain areas of my life having had to be at home with a baby strapped to my boob at all times sometimes you know felt um difficult and obviously there's that kind of imbalance because really the baby needs you at all times and and not your other half as much. So that's quite difficult, obviously, for them because they don't feel as useful and, you know, you want them to help that you can't. So I I do think it is quite difficult. And I know some couples stream through it fine, but I think there was definitely 
like a bit of resentment, more tension. No one's good on um, lack of sleep. Um, so I feel like not right at the moment, but when it comes to baby number two, I'll feel much more armed with kind of knowing that that's how I'll feel and being able to communicate that a bit better. Absolutely. Absolutely. So baby routine wise, This is quite a topic on um, the podcast because obviously some people are very pro-routine, some people are very against routine. Do you have a a routine? I mean, I know Shay has a routine right now because he's older, but when he was um, smaller, did he have a routine? Were you quick to jump into a routine or did you wing it? So, um, yes. I, from kind of week two, was like, I'm going to get him in a routine. And I think that was a really bad call for me. So I am pro-routine, but I think I went into it way too early and put way too high expectations on myself. So I was like, I think, you know, roughly most of the books say, you know, feeding every three hours or two, three hours or whatever. And Shay wasn't doing that. He was feeding more. (laughs) And he was feeding all the time. And he wasn't sleeping in between those feeds. And he would only sleep on me. And I would do the feed and the birth. And then I'd put him down. But he wouldn't go to sleep. I think I, instead of just embracing that first six weeks, which are a kind of craziness, but also magical of, like, cuddles, you know, it's okay if in your pyjamas all day. Um, the, if the baby sleeps on you all day, that's fine as well. Um, I think I was too headstrong on this idea of routine. And I think I put a lot of pressure on myself, especially because I knew I was going back to work quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And I knew that sleep was obviously important. I didn't have that kind of luxury of, I mean, that sounds unfair because not that other people don't have the luxury of not having sleep, but I put more pressure on myself to get him into a routine so that I could um, have a good night's sleep in the night so I could work it in the day. Um, so, yes, I put the pressure on too much um, at the beginning and then I kind of was like, stuff it, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. When he was about week four, week five, I was like, this is not working. I'm making things ten times worse for myself. Um, and then Shay had really bad reflux so um, I went to see some, well, I had a consultation with a woman called Alison Scott Wright, who's written a book called, I think she's called The Magic Sleep Fairy, I think something along that line. And um, it was the book that really spoke to me, I think specifically because she had reflux and she really understood reflux. Um, and I just really liked her method and her thoughts and it, I mean I do think they're all quite similar in, in the way that they do things um, a lot of the books um, but it really spoke to me and um, yeah I, I did slowly but surely get him into routine and I have to say it made everyone's lives easier he was happier because he was sleeping better I was happy because there was a slight amount of predictability in the day he was sleeping better through the night um I felt like I had a bit more purpose in the day where I'd be like, I know he needs to do this or I know I need to do that in the day rather than waking up and be like, I have no idea what's going to happen. So kind of routine was was sort of, I think it was like feeding every three hours, uh, you know, feed, but put down to sleep sort of 
sort of thing. Mm. Um, but we actually, which is very controversial, I've actually never spoken about it before, but I need to talk about it because we did do it, is we put Shay on his tummy to sleep. And that was the big game changer for us. Um, and I know that there are lots of warnings not to do it um, for cop death, um, but I spoke to my um, health uh, visitor, who obviously is a nurse and you know trained in this field, and she said, you know, there are many factors of it that can cause this not just sleeping on their tummy and we obviously wanted him to be put in something called an angel care uh, system which is like a movement tracker so it was under his cot so if anything if he didn't move for a certain amount of seconds it would alarm me um but he had really good neck strength and he could move his neck from side to side and I always made sure I could see that happen and the minute we did that it was like a game changer because what sleeping on the tummy does is it squashes um the uh, uh the kind of what's it called the little uh opening between the esophagus and the stomach so that the contents of the stomach doesn't keep coming up um and it just got it literally within about a week or two he slept through the night and it was crazy no yeah Shay slept through the night from 10 weeks old which That's is quite unusual for many people um but he and before that I'm talking before that he would not sleep as in he would cry and he would cry and he would cry and he would cry and he would cry more and he would cry when he ate and he would cry when he slept because he was so uncomfortable and this tweak was like it was like a magic and that's why she calls herself the magic fairy um it was like a magician came and like sprinkled some fairy dust over our house (laughs) thing was calm (laughs) oh my goodness yeah so um yeah so it's a really interesting topic and I I don't feel qualified to speak about it but I do want to be open that that is what we did I had a couple of clients actually who um put their babies on their tummies as well I I actually think it's not as rare as people might think it just doesn't get talked about I think I think it's the thing that people do. It's like having the cheeky fag at home or something. Yeah. It's like thing <laughs> that someone does that they do and probably a lot of other people are doing, but they don't they they don't talk about it at all. And you're right. And you know, it was pro- it was the way I was uh brought up. My mum always put me on my tummy and my brother and my sister and you know, probably you as well slept that way. Absolutely. Um so mm-hmm. it's um it's interesting and I think with all these sorts of things it's hard to say like one size fits all like this is what all babies should do you know and I do think mother's instinct is a is a really interesting thing and I think I had this massive instinct that Shay had reflux way before we got him diagnosed I just knew something was wrong like everyone else's babies were sleeping and we never got that sleepy period. You know, he was crying and in pain from the very beginning. So, um, yeah, it was it was a real game changer for us. Oh, that's brilliant. Did you find when you started to um, wean Shay, he would also sleep a little bit better? Or did that not make much of a difference because you already had such a great routine? So... 
it definitely helped with his reflux. So even though he was sleeping through the night, he still had reflux and he was still in pain a lot. Uh, not a lot. It was less, but, you know, it didn't it didn't stop the reflux going away sleeping. It definitely helped. Um, but, yes, once we started to sort of, and we started a bit earlier than most people, about five months, um, that was a game changer because, obviously, milk comes up so easily. Whereas, um, you know, something like a sweet potato or avocado, a lot more dense, uh, and that settles the stomach. So, yeah, I think that some people find weaning helps kids sleep through the night because it's more food in their stomach. But for us, it wasn't that wasn't really the problem. Shay was quite a good eater and um, ate a lot. It was just the fact that it just kept coming up. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm just going to have to really quickly go and get my little one. She's going apocalyptic in the other room. <laughs> Do you mind? I'm just going to literally be one second. I'll just grab her. She will not take a bottle, so she is um, really challenging for anyone else to put her down to sleep. <laughs> yeah, um, it's um, really hard. I like, um, I know lots of people who really, really struggled with bottles, and like, I do think some babies just like them and some babies don't. Actually, a friend of mine who a uh, little one never ever has never drunk from a bottle actually went straight to like a sippy cup I reckon that's uh, what she'll end up doing as well yeah like I think you just have to like just try everything you know so her yeah her little girl has never um ever drunk out of a bottle just went from boob to a sippy cup um so it's worth a try absolutely everyone keeps recommending the doidy cup to me I don't know if you ever heard of that or have used it I might have done, I don't remember the name. Is it the one that, like, is cir- circular at the top? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that I think it's an open cup, because when I had a really quick look at it online, I was like, it's going to go everywhere. This is just the most impractical cup ever. <laughs> it will just go everywhere. Anyway, back to it. So, we were talking about weaning, weren't we? Um... I had I've had so many questions on weaning because we are almost at the point where kind of you're advised to start weaning. She's like five and a half months. Um, but I'm just I, I just can't even think about it at the moment. There's just so so I feel like I'm finally got onto a bit of a routine. And now weaning is just something else to think about. Obviously, this is very much your field and especially the second Instagram that you've started up Um is it Mini Kitchen? Madeline Shaw's Mini Kitchen? Yeah, exactly. So what advice would you give to mums like me out there who have the weaning journey ahead of them? Because it scares okay. me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be scared. Remember that, like, the beginning of weaning, the first few months, even up to the first year, like, they get all their nutrient requirements from breast milk or formula either or it doesn't matter which one so you 
got to remember that this is about experimenting and taste and textures. This is not about hitting nutritional needs. Your little one isn't going to turn six months and suddenly needs to have all its calories and food and nutrients coming from solid foods. So remember that, you know, get absolutely everything it needs from its milk. So the first place that I would start with is vegetables. I think a lot of people go straight to fruits and sweet things because they think, oh, my baby will like it more, and I'm so nervous, and I want my baby to like the food. But again, this is not so much about, oh, a baby really likes the food. This is about experimentation. So the first week or even two weeks, I would just do, like, green veg. So on a Sunday, get, like, a courgette, a broccoli, um, you know, some avocado I know that's a fruit but I always put in the veg category um and steam and puree all of them and then freeze them okay um and then um also do some finger foods as well because it's important that we're not only doing purees but also finger foods um so I would start on just doing I'm all about veg-led weaning um so starting with vegetables and greens at the beginning and then you can add in you know the slightly sweeter root vegetables like the sweet potato and the parsnips and the carrots um and then move on to the fruits after that just because um we all know that we love sugar kind of above everything and this beginning window the kind of first six months of baby's food is where they really um get their taste palette and where they start to experience kind of different types of tastes and if we're only giving them sweet 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 they're much more likely just to want to eat sweet food so we need to kind of make sure that we're getting that variety of flavors um in into in this amazing kind of flavor window when they're much more receptive you know because when they're a little bit older they're probably more likely to say no and reject things because they know they can whereas when they're little you know they can't (laughs) um so i would do like a few different purees and then some finger food and that would just be like a bit of broccoli steamed until it literally wilting so you know if you're feeling nervous about choking that if it goes into their mouth it will just kind of melts that's kind of how steamed you want it to be okay um so you want that kind of mixture so that you're you know some people do completely baby-led weaning which is where everything would be finger food um and some people do just purees my feeling is that i think a little bit in the middle is the best way to go because um just finger food can sometimes be quite difficult when you're out and about at a restaurant because it's very messy um and if you want to feed your baby and you've just got a little pot of puree that you've brought along with you it's just a little bit easier um but you know read into it decide what's right for you for for us it was kind of somewhere in between both of them kind of mixing them both together um so it's really good to yeah have a few different tastes um and if their face goes like as in they look like this is disgusting it doesn't actually mean that they think it's gross it just might be a little bit sour it might be a little bit sweet it's a whole new taste to them remember this is like a crazy experience like it's going to some sort of amazing mission star restaurant where your mouth is exploding um so don't get worried about their reaction and keep trying so say you give them a steamed carrot and they reject it 
doesn't mean they don't like carrots. Try carrot puree. Try roasted carrots with some olive oil. Um, you know, like try all different varieties of things and just can be consistent. Um, I'm really big on like having lots of different colours on their plate so that they get used to the fact that their plate is colourful. Their plate isn't just beige food. It's not just like potatoes and chicken nuggets. It's got, you know, cauliflower it's got sweet potato it's got um you know some chickpeas it's got all different types of like colors and different types of plants um so that they're kind of getting used to that variety um i think there's a lot of fear around it you know will they like it and it is not great when you slaved away over a really nice meal and they reject it i'm not gonna lie it does hurt your feelings um but again that doesn't mean that you're a bad cook um (laughs) babies have different appetites and they're very different to us so we on the whole eat quite consistently every day you know similar amount of breakfast lunch dinner um but babies some days they will eat you out of the fridge they'll eat everything that you put in front of them they'll just be eating and eating some days they won't eat at all and they'll literally graze on a few rice cakes and some cucumber sticks and that's it and that is just the way that they're built just sometimes they're growing more they need more sometimes they don't and they regulate their appetite and they will tell you how much food they want to eat so don't force feed your little one allow um allow them to show you when they've had enough um be really intuitive watch them i guess that's why baby like weaning is so amazing because they literally are feeding themselves so they will stop when they've had enough um so yeah i would guess those would be some of my tips so far on it um in terms of kind of pre-made packaged um baby food um i work with a brand i want to disclaim that i work with them already uh called babies um and not only do i think i'm not just saying that i think they're the best because i work with them i would even if i didn't work with them um and the reason being is that they actually make food for babies rather than baby food so a lot of times when you buy baby food it's like you read the back of the pack and it's like vegetable smush and actually it's like 80% apple and maybe 20% if not less vegetables um so I think read the back of the packs and also remember that babies don't just eat fruit and vegetables they need stuff from all macronutrients, from carbohydrates, from fats, from protein. And fruit and veg are pretty much sugars from the carbohydrate family. So you want to be getting things like rice um, and lentils and different types of vegetables and pulses and nuts and seeds um, and, you know, uh, meat and fish um, into their diets as well as fruit and veg. So it's really important to be getting that kind of balanced plate. So turn over the pack, look for, you know, a pack that shows that variety of nutrients, the variety of carbohydrates, fats and proteins, not just fruit and veg, because that's not sustaining enough for our babies. And babies need a lot of fat to help their brains develop. So it's really important that they're getting that in their diets. Wow. So when, when I guess it's the... <laughs> Sorry, I feel like you're like, I'm so nervous about it and now I'm more nervous. <laughs> it's good. It's so good. If you're a mum a bit like me who is kind of mainly worried about the prep and all the thought that needs to go into this, just because I feel mm-hmm. like my brain is just such a jumble already, is there anyone you would recommend or, like, 
it's not I'd, I'd rather kind of stay away from like obviously buying packaged um food but if there's someone who's short of time or maybe you've gone back to work at six months but you're yeah. still trying to wean your baby but you just need to be told what to buy at the shop and how to do it is there anyone out there who do, do you do that is there anyone out there who does that like a like a meal plan for babies essentially I feel like I really want to create that because I agree with you. It does need to be that real simple, like, key steps. I mean, there's obviously the Annabelle Carmel books, which I'm guessing you might have, or you're probably going to buy something. <laughs> so she's probably, like, the kind of queen of weaning. Um, and so she'll kind of talk you through, yeah, sort of what to buy, how long to steam it for, what to puree it for. Um, but I feel like at the very beginning, keep it really simple. Choose three vegetables that you want to try that week. Mm-hmm. If it well, if it's in the evening and they've gone to sleep, when it's during a nap, steam them all, literally all in one thing, and then puree them individually because you do want to check for allergies, so you don't want to put them all together at the beginning. Um and then freeze the rest of it and then have those pots out and then just and give that to them for that week and do it each week. You know, remember, this is about taste. This isn't about um, loads and loads of nutrients. And you will get, like, better. And I think the more that, like, you see them enjoying food and having fun, it will spur you on to, like, trying, like, new things and, and doing it. And, you know, put your little baby in a bouncer or in a little chair next to you while you're cooking so that they're interacting with it and they're seeing that, like, you know, what to cook and how to... Because it is an interesting thing to watch. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of where I would start. But, yeah, I know it can be really overwhelming. That's such amazing <laughs> advice, though. Thank you so much for that advice. What advice, whilst we're on the meal thing, what advice would you give for um, new mums who are trying to feed themselves, their babies and their partners? I mean, it can really feel quite overwhelming, can't it? When you've gone from one mouth to feed to kind of three mouths to feed. A hundred percent. So I would say once you're over that first month of where you're basically trialing out each food just to check for allergies so you've gone through all the fruits and veg and then you've gone through like more common allergies like eggs um fish you know so you just have giving them a little bit um you know of it plain by itself once you've done that and you have not through all of them and you feel confident like okay then you can pretty much just cook as you normally did for you and your partner and make a little bit for them. I'm a big believer in kind of not making like an additional meal um, because you don't have to. So if you're making, say, porridge for breakfast in the morning, depending on how lumpy your baby likes it, you can make your porridge and then blend it up a little bit for your baby um, to have. So the things that we don't want to add into baby's um, diet up until they're one is any added uh, sugar or salt. So say you were sweetening your um, your porridge um, with any sugar, I would just leave that till the end um, and then before, you know, what you give to your little one. So I really think that you can um, just give what you're eating to your baby, just a little bit chopped up or a little bit pureed. Um, it just makes it 
less hassily, especially at the beginning when you're kind of not making them a full meal. Um, it's a fantastic thing to do. Um, and batch cook as well, make a big kind of bolognese, getting into classic kind of yeah. family cooking. Um, or, you know, like a bean chili or, you know, any kind of one big pot, like a kind of pumpkin curry or something. Um, and then um, you can just put small portions of it, freeze them and then uh, defrost them. I do think your freezer is your best friend um, and it is really helpful to have that. And, you know, keep things simple as well. Um, you don't have to make it gourmet. Um, you know, a few different things on the plate is helpful, but it doesn't have to be anything kind of too fancy. Oh, such such great advice. Anyone <laughs> listening, do go and check out Madeline's other Instagram. Obviously, her main one's awesome, but her other one, <laughs> Madeline Shaw's Mini Kitchen, it is just the most colourful Instagram page I think I've ever seen. It's, it's great. It's so beautiful. And all of the meals on there that I see, I would really like to eat myself. So exactly. well, that's kind of how we want to do it. Um, yeah, make them simple, cook for the family. Um, and yeah, I think colour is key. It's all about eating the rainbow. I think a lot of the time when you worry about like getting children's nutrient for like requirements, like I think variety and colour of the rainbow is the two kind of key things to constantly be getting at. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so the last topic I wanted to ask you some questions about um, was work and having Shay um, and how it's been, how that transition's been, how running your own business has been and leaving Shay for the first time when you had to, if you can remember back then, um, what that was like. Okay, so I went back to work quite early compared to most people. Um, reason being... Um, I run my own business. I don't get maternity pay. Um, and I really love it. You know, I, I, I love being a mum and I love working and I love doing both together. So, um, yeah, I went back to work at about three months. Um, and we got a lovely nanny two days a week um, who only just left us very recently when she went to nursery. So she's been with us for a year or a bit over a year. Um, and um, so, yeah, I just started doing two days a week where I would leave um, him with her and I worked from home so it wasn't like I was very far I was literally across the table um, <laughs> but it really allows me to crack on with work I could go to the gym um, you know I sort of I did really use it for work because I thought god I'm paying for someone to look after my child it needs to kind of count uh, so I wasn't doing sort of spa days every day which I wish I was doing um but uh yeah I started on two days and then I think when Shay was about six months I went to five days and then quite quickly after that I went back to four because it was way too much for me I think five days I just felt like I was missing out on so many things and I didn't really need it and I could get all my work done efficiently yeah. um yeah. so yeah I've always kind of seen everything because I've worked from home and I think some nannies because it's like a mum that's like staring at their work at all times um but our nanny was amazing and really didn't mind it and got me involved but at times where she sort of knew that I was having an important call or you know I needed to be quiet she would take him off and 
um, it kind of just really worked. And I think because he had that consistency of us both in his life um, during the day, midweek, it was quite normal for him and it wasn't a difficult transition. I would say as he got a bit older, kind of one, one and a bit, and he was much more in a kind of attachment phase, it got more difficult. And I just have to work kind of in a cafe down the road because he sort of was like, mum why are you not playing with me on the floor and you're there tapping on your computer um so it it got harder as he got older um whereas when he was little like if you weren't in eye shot you were you were gone you disappeared somewhere else um so yeah i i i'm someone that really doesn't get the mum guilt which i feel guilty about not getting the mum guilt oh no Um, so um very unusual because i know probably most mums would say they'd good, but I know Shay was happy with his uh, nanny and I know he's happy at nursery now. Um, I love working. Oh, I need to work to um, for the family. Um, uh, I love spending time with him. I never resent that time. And yeah, I, I mean, my mum's always worked. It's, it's never been something that I thought I would not do. And Again, like, I don't think that all mums have to work. I don't think mums, you know, I don't think there's a, a right way of doing it. But for our family, I think that me working is is important for my mental health, as well as our bank balance, um, as well as being the mum that I think I will always be. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where it's been. And, I mean, I feel obviously really lucky to being able to afford childcare because it's incredibly expensive and um, a real luxury and, you know, to have that support and care and just to someone to kind of go, oh, God, there's this going on, what should we do? And to have someone who is trained, um, our nanny was like a northern nanny, so she really knew her stuff, to have that expertise and advice was really uh, helpful and made me feel very safe. Um and yeah, do you know what? <laughs> Sounds really bad, but I find it quite easy, the kind of balance between work and spending time with Shay. And of course, there's been moments where things have fallen apart. My nanny was ill for quite a while, um, which was difficult. And, you know, there have been moments where things haven't worked and I've struggled. But I would say 80% of the time when things are okay and people aren't ill, um, it really runs quite smoothly and... I transition between kind of working to looking after him quite easily. And I don't know, I feel like I've found the right balance four days. So he does three days nursery, one day with Kieran. And that is kind of great. And I think because both Kieran and I work for ourselves, we both have that flexibility and we can both do drop off at nursery and pick up and um, be around in the middle of the day and all these sorts of things that, do make parenting a lot easier so I feel very grateful for that okay so the last question before we always finish each podcast with like a tiny little quick fire round um although for mine it's quite long for you (laughs) (laughs) um but the last question before that is I'm coming out to London for a wedding followed by a brand event where we're staying and away a night and I'm taking baby with me without husband do you have any advice for me? Yeah. Other than I'm I have, mad. I have really good advice. So I went to Greece by myself last summer with Shay. 
Um, Kieran was meant to come last minute, couldn't because of work. So I got on a plane. He was sort of 10 months at the time by myself, flew to Greece. I was on holiday and flew back by myself. Wow. I'm not going to lie, the flight was quite full on. Um, just because he was crawling, he was quite mobile. He wasn't walking yet, but, you know, he wasn't like just sitting lying there he wasn't in that phase um but I found it amazing I think we bonded I would say that was like we've always bonded but that was a real breakthrough for like our relationship I know that sounds really silly because it's very one-sided the breakthrough but um (laughs) well you never know uh I don't know I just felt like you know what like I can do this and we just had like every second waking second together and we were in we were in a new country so it was like very felt like it was just we felt I don't know we felt more united because obviously you do spend every second together at home but there's something very different when you're not in your natural surroundings um and it was amazing we had the best time and I do think getting out of your house and like you said your everyday country walks is good and you get a fresh new perspective and I do think you get this real like confidence of like oh my god if I can do this I can do anything (laughs) because it is intense and full-on traveling with a baby and being by yourself and all these sorts of things but I do think it gives you this inner confidence that you really can like take on the world and I do think mums are like the most amazing creatures and like the most hard-working people on earth um so I think you'll have a really good time and it will be challenging but also really liberating Oh, thank you. I, I, I think it will definitely be challenging, but I am looking forward to it. To it. Once I have found an outfit for the wedding, I am really <laughs> struggling to find something I can breastfeed in, wear a baby carrier with. With. I mean, yeah. how do you? What? I, I don't even know where to start. But that we could do a whole other podcast on what to wear for events, couldn't we? <laughs> with <Absolutely>. baby stuff. <laughs> okay, so quick fire round. Um, <laughs> Let's first question is, what do you wish you'd known before you got pregnant? Ooh, good question. Um, that morning sickness would knock you out. <laughs> <laughs> what do you wish you'd known before you gave birth? So maybe birth related. That all births are perfect. No. What do you wish you'd known before bringing your baby home? (laughs) That routines don't work in the first six weeks. (laughs) (laughs) What pram did you have from a a newborn versus what do you have now for your toddler? What brand? What pram, sorry. Buggy. Oh, okay. So, um... For newborn, I use the Mamas and Papas Akaro mm-hmm. uh, buggy, and now I'm using the Baby Zen Yo-Yo. Oh, the Baby Zen Yo-Yo looks fantastic. Gosh, I yeah. wish I had one of those for my trip to London. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, like, the biggest Jules pram on this planet, and I do love it, but I can't imagine that's going to be easy to put on a flight up to London. Yeah, I I would say that a small uh, buggy is is essential. Yeah. (laughs) What was your go-to snack during pregnancy? 
nuts, kind of any form of nuts, and a lot of like uh, oat bars for like milk production. So like kind of any kind of granolary oaty bars. Out of interest on the subject of nuts, did you um, eat peanuts or peanut butter through your pregnancy and whilst breastfeeding? Uh, I mean, I do generally eat peanuts and peanut butter anyway, so I wasn't consciously doing it, but I did definitely um, give it to Shay quite early on because I know it's good to reduce um, the likelihood of allergy. Yeah, I have it in my morning smoothie all the way through pregnancy and whilst I'm breastfeeding, so I figure that's enough, right, do you think? Um, yeah, I think that's absolutely fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, back to the quick fire. Um, were you solid on baby names? Yes. So, um, Seamus, uh, our son, is named after Kieran's grandfather, and it was not the name that I would have ever chosen. Um, and I didn't like it the whole time I was pregnant, but then when he arrived, he just was a Seamus, and it was his name, and it was perfect, and I loved the name, but, um... Yes, it's it's a name that I would have never chosen by myself, but I'm so glad um, that he has called it. It's lovely. It's so cute. <laughs> um, last one. Is there anything you bought or felt pressured into buying when pregnant, which you wish you hadn't bought now? <sighs> Good question. <sighs> Probably wasn't pressured into, but I bought a lot of, like, grey toys and like really chic toys mm-hmm. which Shay was really not into and then um a friend of ours bought the like Fisher Price really colourful um called is it what are they called oh I just lost you there <laughs> for a second Oh, um, so a friend of ours bought us one of those Fisher-Price kind of baby play mats with the oh, toys yes. hanging down. And, yeah, he loved it. My <laughs> grey, chic, white one basically got shoved in the attic. So I wish I had just kind of realised that, yes, a bit of colour is okay with babies. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny that you say that. Today at Swimming, one of the girls, we've, we recently renovated our house and it's quite like Scandi style downstairs. And um, one of my friends said, you've got to get this blow up. Um, it's like a, a rubber ring that they sit inside and it's really brightly coloured. And, and then she said, oh no, wait, it just won't look right in your house. <laughs> Too colourful. Okay, um... Last, last question as we finish this podcast, and it's been amazing chatting to you, but the very final question, as a mum, what advice would you give to mums-to-be and mums who are listening to the podcast right now? I would say that, like, tap into your mother's instinct. I think you always know what's best for your baby and what's going on with your baby. Never compare yourself to other mums. You never know what's going on in their lives. Um, and uh, I would just say enjoy enjoy being a mum because I think sometimes we can focus too much on, like, the late nights and, you know, the lack of sleep and the crying, but actually the magic of motherhood is way beyond any of that stuff. Oh. I totally agree. I couldn't agree more. And I'm sure there are so many mums listening right now nodding along. 
Oh, well, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. I so appreciate it. It's been so lovely chatting with you. It's been so lovely chatting with you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you, and you too. What a lovely, lovely lady, and as you'll agree with me, yet another super mum on this podcast. So thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget, the giveaways are still running over on the Mum Talk podcast Instagram page. Today, we have a giveaway from the Little Green Sheep Company, and tomorrow, we also have a giveaway from Snooze. So check them out, make sure you go over, make sure you're following the Mum Talk podcast Instagram page, and also subscribe to the podcast podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast from and you will be in with a chance to win some goodies thank you so much for listening again this week i will check in with you again next week lots and lots of love have a great rest of your week